You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Rain. Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello again, friends. This is episode 77 of Mission Lab. I'm entitling it Missional Lessons from Radio Lab. Missional Lessons from Radio Lab. So, yeah, do you listen to Radio Lab? Radio Lab is easily the greatest podcast ever produced. Um, I have to admit that I don't listen to it as much anymore. And some of the uh, excitement has worn off after, I don't know, four or five years that I've been a fan of Radio Lab, but it's still very, very good. And uh, I just, I go in waves when it comes to my consumption of media, be it on the printed page or audio media or whatnot. Um, but if I usually go on a long car ride, I'll look for something. And I listened to a recent episode of Radiolab. Again, Radiolab, if you haven't ever heard Radiolab, um, it's, yeah, just awesome. Obviously, this podcast that we produce is called Mission Lab. Not a uh, stretch to understand that we're kind of playing off that name. Our podcast is nothing like Radiolab. It's just like a a feast for your ears. Um but anyway, I, I was listening to a recent podcast episode of Radiolab called For Whom the Cowbell Tolls. For Whom the Cowbell Tolls. It was released on March 29 of this year, 2019. Really fascinating. I was actually listening to a different episode and I was like, oh, this is too boring. It's about, well, I won't tell you what it's about. It was about something in America, and it just wasn't holding my attention. And then I came across this one, and it was about a woman in Switzerland. And if you didn't know by now, I love Switzerland. I love New England, but I love Europe. I love all things Europe. I love Switzerland. Um, I've only been there once, been to Zurich for a day. I'm actually, and you know, Camille can tell you, although she's not in the podcast to tell you. Uh, but I am going to be going next March to the Alps. That's right, to the Alps. I'm going skiing in the Alps next March. Going to ski four days, well, three or four days in France and Italy, then a day or two in Switzerland. And um, it's been at the top of my bucket list for a long time. And so I, in my free time, I'm spending a lot of time planning and plotting and daydreaming and watching videos. And so when you talk about Switzerland, you get my attention. So this episode was about a woman in Switzerland. And perhaps you saw some headlines a few years back about this particular story. I remember hearing it, just reading a little bit about it. And then this Radiolab episode broke it down even more. The lady's name is Nancy Holton. And uh, she was originally from Holland. Um, She was a Dutch woman at the age of eight. Her mom moved along with her to this 
village in Switzerland. Um, I think it's called Gip Oberfreak. I have to get my uh, German pronunciations a little better, although the places I'm going in Switzerland are more uh, francophone than, what is it, germaphone? I don't know what it is, um, than German. Um, but I might make it over to the German part. But anyway, Gip Oberfreak. And um, so she was raised there in this village. And uh, But the thing is, as she grew up, she never got her Swiss citizenship. And um, she learned German. She, you know, assimilated to a lot of the German, not German, Swiss way of life. And so then when she became an adult, she said, well, it's time for me to become a Swiss citizen. Well, there was one major problem with this idea that she was pondering. And that is, it used to be um, a practice, and I guess as the episode goes on to explain, it's not as much anymore, but there are still villages, a few kind of holdouts in Switzerland. Um, There used to be this practice, and again, some still do, where in order to become a citizen in Switzerland, the citizens of your town in which you reside actually vote on that proposition. It actually goes before a town vote um, and everybody weighs in and they have, they're basically, it's a referendum on whether they think you're worthy of citizenship. So usually, you know, for many people, that's not a problem, but for our friend Nancy, it was a problem because simply put, and this is directly quoting some of the citizens that complained, Nancy was annoying. Now, it wasn't just annoying in, you know, a little minor sense. It was annoying because she was very, very ornery around some very key customs that went on in that village and, in fact, all of Switzerland. For example, she was a huge animal rights activist, and one of the things that she was very vocal about, and she even started a Facebook page, and she was speaking to the media about, was she was deeply disturbed by the practice of having cows in Switzerland wear these huge cowbells. Now, if you know anything about Switzerland, you know that the cowbell is like as much a an icon of Switzerland as cheese or chocolate or Swiss Army knives. Like it is, it is a huge core part of the Swiss identity are these cowbells. And you can go to, you know, a mountainside and remote Swiss village and you'll just hear these cowbells clanging all the time. And she just, she was very, very vehemently um, outspoken that this was something that they should not do. You should ban all cowbells because it's not good for the cows. So this didn't sit well with people. 
And uh, then she just kept pushing more issues like that. Like in this village, there was um, a annual pig race that went on that she was deeply disturbed by. And uh, she demanded that they stop these pig races. Then she rented a, an apartment that was right next to a big church that every hour on the hour would clang its bell. And she put up a big fuss and said, they need to stop ringing that bell. It's disturbing the community. So she just, it was one thing after the other. And it gained enough attention in the village that they found her annoying. And to put it, you know, just cut to the chase, um, her citizenship was brought before the town and they voted it down. And so um, one of the persons that was cited on record said, we, you know, this woman is coming in here and she's trying to make all of Switzerland vegan. You know, she's against the consumption of meats. Um, so like they just weren't having it with her. And so it came again, like the next year, um, her citizenship was up again for another vote because she was not going to go down without a fight and it was voted down again. So at this point, we're going to stop and do some reflection on the missional implications of what was going on here. Because when I listened to that, I was like, wow, there's lots of connection here to missional ideas. And it's very simple. This lady, Nancy, bless her heart, um, she, although obviously her agenda was different than what a missionaries would be, she acted not unlike a lot of missionaries today, where instead of assimilating into the culture to which you've been sent, she tried to tear down the customs and practices that these village people felt so attached to. And it was almost like she was attacking their identity. I mean, literally the episode, they were talking about that, like, this is Swiss identity, cowbells and pig races. Like this is what it, this is part of what it means to be Swiss. And so she was directly aiming her, her views to these customs that they held to be, you know, they held so closely and so dearly. And so the missional application is very simple. Um, when we go and we're sent and we're, we're in a community, we need to, instead of tearing down the cultural practices and customs, instead of tearing them down, we need to learn how to work within the framework of those customs and practices. Now, I am, of course, not advocating that we assimilate what is sin? Like, we're not talking about, hey, everyone here is a prostitute, so I'll become a prostitute. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying just turn a blind eye to immorality. Now, of course, this precious lady 
you know, she thinks, I guess, and if Nancy ever listens to this, I got nothing but love for you. But um, she, of course, thinks it's a moral issue. And that's one of the challenges that we have. And, you know, we've probably alluded to this in the past, um, but we make things that are not moral issues into moral issues. And instead of, instead of conforming to the customs of the people that are not moral issues, we, we make a, you know, we turn them into moral issues and we declare them to be evil. Um, there's even a quote I'm sure I've shared before, uh, from a person I really appreciate named Ellen White, who has said, where the customs of the people do not come into the co- into conflict with the law of God, we may conform to them. And in fact, to not conform to them would greatly hinder our missionary efforts. So, um, yeah, so when we go into a, a, a neighborhood, we, when we go into a city, when we go into a town, when we go into a, a people group, instead of tearing down uh, the things that, you know, we deem to be, um, you know, not aligned with our values, like, and even if they are literally immoral, we're not going to have any success in changing those behaviors by getting on a soapbox and publicly chastising them. That wasn't, you know, Jesus method. Um, so again, like, even if it's, a, it is a moral issue, I'm not trying to make light of like, let's just turn a blind eye to immorality, but you're, we're not going to change a culture. We're not going to change a neighborhood. We're not going to change a town until we first gain the confidence of the people. And, you know, this lady, Nancy, she should have, you know, it's easy for me to say, uh, but she should have, uh, if she wants to bring about change, she should have won people's confidence first before she goes on her campaign to get rid of all the cowbells. Um, so, yeah. So, but that's not the end of the story because there is more to it. And the tables are going to be turned here in a second, which I thought was fascinating. And that, that was, when I was listening to that, I thought it was, you know, rich enough with the missional implications. But there's more to the story that also has missional implications and I'm wrestling with it. I don't know how, I don't have the answer to it, but here's how it goes. So eventually um, there is a constitutional uh, protection. I think that's basically how to summarize it in Switzerland where more and more people are um, turning, being turned down from citizenship including because, you know, one of the examples they gave, there's all these people coming from Syria or Turkey or, you know, these Muslim, predominantly Muslim countries and Swiss citizens are worried that they're going to lose their Swiss cultural identity because, you know, there's these dangerous Muslims coming from the Middle East. But that's another story. But there is a, there is recourse now. So, like I said, fewer and fewer towns are voting on citizenship, and the larger cantons, which I think are basically counties, are making those decisions if you appeal the decision of your town. Now, this lady, Nancy, she was kind of crazy. Like, she would walk around barefoot 
and um, she would, um, you know, just march to her own drummer. You know, I think she's a wonderful lady. I'm not trying to be critical of somebody here on this public broadcast, but um, yeah, so she she just marched her own drummer and uh, like as a, epitomized by her walking around barefoot all the time. So eventually the Canton um, approved her citizenship. And so she was granted that privilege. So she was granted the privilege to be a Swiss citizen. And here's the interesting part. When the day came for her to be sworn in as a citizen, she goes and she shows up. And this is, again, this is a little part that I just thought was really interesting. She shows up to be sworn in and she's wearing shoes. Just think about that for a second. She's wearing shoes. And what the uh, hosts of the podcast, the episode, were saying, and I don't remember if it was the main Jad Abumrad and Robert Krolwich or whether it was the particular editor who was you know, doing this episode, but what they noted was and what she seemingly said was now that she was a citizen, she felt the desire to basically live up to the cultural expectations of Swiss culture. And you know, I'm not putting, I'm not explaining it exactly right. Go back and listen to it. It's been a few weeks since I listened to it. But in other words, now that her identity was Swiss, she then found herself wanting to live up to a Swiss identity as epitomized by her starting to wear shoes. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, she assimilated, she's assimilated fully. She likes cowbells now. She eats meat. She, whatever. Um, But the implications to me missionally are really interesting. And I say that because, and and it's theologically, it's missionally, it's ecclesiologically, um, we tend to place behavior before belonging. And in order to be a part of our group and to be able to identify as being a part of our group, you need to first behave in a certain way so that you can then have the right to be identified as part of our group. But what Nancy's experience shows us is that that's complete. It may be, I'm just proposing, it might be completely backwards that it was only after she was given the right to identify as Swiss that she then started acting Swiss. So it's almost like the, the, the potential and the faith that one places in another becomes the reality. So like I behave in a certain way 
based upon my identity. My identity does not come based upon my behavior. You see what I'm getting at? So like, it's like scripturally um, in Romans, if I can get theological for a second, Romans uh, talks, Paul talks in Romans about Abraham being the father of many nations. And he points out that God said this about Abraham, even though he wasn't at that time. And so Paul actually says that God calls those things that don't exist as though they did. It says in verse chapter 4, verse 17, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So, like, that's the mechanism by which God actually produces the thing, is that he sees in his mind what we are, and when we get the picture of what we are in Christ's mind, we live out that picture in our lives. So identity precedes behavior. Behavior does not precede identity. Um, now, I know there's a, there's a sense in which like we can live our way into a new way of thinking, and we sometimes try to think our way into a new way of living, and that's, that's, that's true as well. I don't want to confuse things, but, um, but the reality is, is when I am clear on who I am, my core identity in Christ, then I seek to live out that reality. Now, that's theologically. I'm going to say missionally, ecclesiologically. What if, and I'm just throwing this out there, I've been meaning to do an episode for a long time on church membership, but what if church membership, again, I'm just throwing this out there, it, I, I may be way off. What if church membership preceded certain behaviors and beliefs and people were granted that membership, not on the basis of what they've demonstrated in the past, but as a way to, as, as a missional strategy to help them live into that identity. You see what I'm getting at? Um, and I, I don't want to make a big deal out of this one story, but I think the, the theological principle is fairly well established that we live out our identity. And I know there's all sorts of implications, you know, we can get into specifics. Well, what about this person who's this, that, and the other, and they do this and they do that? Um, what are we afraid of? I think partly we're afraid of that if we just, you know, there's this, then this quote-unquote cheap grace way of membership where, um, you know, people become members and then they are, you know, they apostatize and they, they backslide. I think part of that is because there's no discipleship and um, we just dunk them, whether or not they believe what we believe and do what we do. We dunk them and then we add them to our roles and then we just abandon them. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a, a uh, deliberate, systematic journey of discipleship where the identity comes before the behavior. So I know others have, have talked about this and it's not original to me, but we often say the proper um, steps are behave, believe, belong. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people try to turn it on its head and say, 
belong, we belong, you belong first, then the behavior will come and then you believe, or then the belief will come and then you behave. Um, again, I think, you know, that could be parsed down a little bit more and, you know, there's some more nuance to it, but nevertheless, the general principle is there. We will, will, you know, we'll live out our identity. If we know we belong, if we know we're citizens of the kingdom, will there'll be a natural desire to live into that identity. And so, um, yeah, that's just, I don't know. I may be all wet on this. This is why it's mission lab. We're experimenting. Um, but I, I see that being a pattern in scripture as well. Um, so what do you think? Give it some thought, get back to me on it. Um, these both kind of two lessons from radio lab for whom the cowbells toll. Um, yeah, think about it. Get in touch with me. Send me an email. Get in touch with me on Facebook, whatever, Instagram, Twitter. But those are the musings that I had from listening to Radio Lab recently. So that's what I got for you today. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergang. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.